Hey, Taco Tuesday fans, this is Christian Brindle. And I am Glenn Shelton. We came together and combined our forces to create something special for insurance agents called Taco Tuesday. Let's talk about insurance. My company, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, and my company, Lead Heroes, is here to bring you the latest and greatest news happening in the insurance industry today and eat some tacos while we do it. If you enjoy the content that we put out on this podcast, feel free to leave us a review or subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Without further ado, let's get into this episode of Taco Tuesday. Okay. This is live. Hey, what do you mean 38 seconds in? How much have you been recording, StreamYard? We've been live for 30 seconds? That's what it says in the corner. It says it says 13 for me. Okay. Okay. That so, makes that gives me a little bit more hope. Yeah. Um, but, all, Hello. Right, guys. all right, guys. So welcome to Taco welcome. Tuesday. I've got a special taco today, you guys. The rolled taco. Look at this thing. Whoa, rolled tacos. You're, mm, you're stealing my, my normal rolled taco so thunder. So good. I really, I really evaluated my options today and I haven't had rolled tacos in a while. Taco time. Shout out. So wait for the crunch. I wonder if this at this point our audience has accepted rolled tacos as tacos, or are they fired up and saying they're not really tacos still? They're tacos. I, I I think they're definitely tacos. I think I think there's a bunch of snowflakes out there that are taco snobs. And I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> there are taco snobs. <laughs> it gets crazy too when you start talking about like what state, like where do you get your tacos? Like Southern California, Arizona, Texas. Like people start freaking out about what state's the best. I'm sure there's probably people getting ready, some keyboard warriors. Are ready to start shouting for their state. Go ahead, rep your state in the comments, you guys. I'm I'm happy to read it. I so, think tacos are great everywhere. So can can you see the comments on the side there? Like I can. Because mm-hmm. there. So what I like about Streamyard is it shows you the comments on the side. I the first <laughs> one just says Facebook user, but the other one says Landon McCarter. It says I read this as topless. Well, that's funny because like that was kind of the point too. It's like topless Taco mm-hmm. Tuesday, like. You know, there was a bit of an innuendo there. So, Landon, bonus points for you. Good, sir. Yep. yep. Topicless. We've been trying to decide what topic. We couldn't decide. So, it's just, it's Taco Tuesday. That's the topic today, y'all. I, I don't feel like we ever need to go back to Zoom. Zoom sucks ass. To me. Anyway, I don't, I don't speak I for look, everyone. I but... look 10 years younger on StreamYard. I don't know if it's my <laughs> lighting today. <laughs> So people are gonna miss people are gonna switch our ages around based on this because I feel like I look older. I feel maybe, like, you're just, maybe you're just getting maybe the week you've had has put some age on you, bro. I don't know. It could be. Or maybe I'm you're, just eating that Saturday night. Tacos. You know what we could talk about is the Saturday night cocktail party that everyone missed. That was epic. What, what are you eating? <laughs> so my tacos. I have fish tacos today. Mm. It sounded so good, and I wanted them. And okay. so, and also, we're doing this thing in our office where the office manager 
has this app on her phone that does like the wheel of fortune kind of thing. So, <laughs> Are you doing credit card roulette for who pays? No, no, I pay every dime. Oh, you pay. <laughs> but it's a spin. It's a spinny wheel thing to see where you're buying tacos. Exactly to see where we're gonna go. So they have like six or seven places on there, and Del Taco won. So I said, get me some, get me some fish tacos. Generally, I don't like fish tacos. However, if they're done right, I love fish tacos. And like fresh fish tacos when you're like on the ocean. Mm. Oh my gosh. Some of the best. So why, uh, today's topic is why does Glenn have who? Why is it not showing me who? It's just a Facebook user. Yeah. So non- I I have to be... you got a bunch of anons in here today. <laughs> <laughs> but on Facebook, like I'm, I'm watching the live stream on Facebook. I can see the names and everything like that. So. That was Price that said that. That's hilarious. I just glad so, all those pictures of Christian debating. I can't. I can't talk about that publicly. I'm sorry, you guys. Yeah, it's a part of our part of our deal. Yeah, it's part of our agreement. All those, all those, um, all those lead hero commercials on the on the channel, they're not for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Christian pays me in bathing suit pictures <laughs> and hammocks, as this shall be named. And then, at the end of the month. Glenn sends me a text. He's like, hey, just wanted to let you know. <laughs> um, Today's balance is 200 photos. <laughs> hey, I didn't see the payment come through. I'm pretty pissed about it. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this cocktail party that happened yeah, on, let's do it. On, on Saturday night. Um, so you were able to stay on quite a, long, quite a bit of time, and I was – Pleased to see that Galen kind of came in and just ran the show for a little bit. It was really pretty good. She really, it started off kind of lame. I'm not going to lie. First I got on there. I was like, not a lot of people on there. Conversation was really slow, like brutally <laughs> slow. Then Galen jumps in and she's just running the whole thing. It was amazing. So my favorite part of it was Galen, but then that's like one a to one B is later on in the evening, like one or two in the morning, my time. I'm on there and there's like probably five or six people on there. Rebecca Davis is on there. Mark's on there. Justin Thomas is still on there. And Justin Thomas had gotten a little tipsy. And um, <laughs> and I love him when he's tipsy. Like that's what I'm starting to notice about him. Like he is the new Tony. He's the new <laughs> 1 a.m. Tony. Um. And it, it was just marvelous, you know, because when he when you get a drink or two in him, his filter goes away. That's the the nice part is doing these things. And like my wife was like asking me, like, is this really good for business? Like, you know, is this professional like doing this? I'm like, yeah, you actually get to connect more authentically when it's like, you know, when you have a, an open conversation, everyone has a couple of drinks in them. There were some really great conversations that happened. The one that David brought up um, talking about that marketing company that he was looking at working with that was talking about doing like that fixed cost um, client acquisition. And we got into all of that. We got into like the ethics behind that, like cost per acquisition. Like I loved that. Like I thought that was a great conversation. So that's why I really like 
like doing doing them is because I think you kind of have a different conversation on Saturday night than you do on Tuesday. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Like, and my wife says some of the same things. She's like, she's like, you're not getting any work done. You're just goofing up with your friends. I'm like, baby, I'm building, I'm building relationships. That's what I'm doing. I'm building relationships with people. Um, yeah, hundred percent. But she's not wrong. <laughs> but you know, like, um, I mean, every time, every time Galen is in a room, whether it be virtually or in person, she always has just amazing information to share. Um, she, she was amazing to spend some time with in Memphis in person. She was amazing during her speech on stage. She's, she's just amazing overall. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realize like how I think some people realize, but I think a lot of people don't realize how influential that she really is, you know, in, in terms of everything that she's done, everything her company's accomplished, like the, 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 the footprint they actually have in the industry to me is like, you know, it's, it's almost, it's almost like kind of like intimidating when you're in her presence a little bit because of who she is. Um, but not everybody realizes that. I feel like I think one of the things that stood out to me too, like with Galen, um, you can just tell how long she's been doing this. Like she's having these conversations and like, she's sharing like things that take people usually a long time to, to be like, she's sharing these, these distilled thoughts, like these, these experiences that you have, you that come from a lot of time and energy in the industry she's just sharing one after another after another and it's almost mind-boggling and then you realize like oh she's been doing this for 40 years 30 years you know and it's just it's fun to be able to get together and have a conversation like i'm trying to, and i'm of course i'm drawing blanks as we're on screen here i, I would love to like quote you know <laughs> besides my nickname of Magnum Malibu, which I feel <laughs> ashamed. I've been, I feel like I've been shamed for drinking Malibu, but that one's going to stick. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> nervous. I, and I just mentioned it here. So now I'm really nervous, but uh, you know, she talked a lot about like a lead being a lead being a lead. Yeah. And um, I loved how like, like she's one of those people where like if her agent's complaining to her about a lead, like she doesn't care. Like she's not, she's not the person that's going to be like, Oh, that must've been a horrible lead. I'm so sorry, Sally. Oh, I'm going to get that lead replaced for you. Like that's not who she is at all. And of course yeah. I love that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I'm of the opinion and I know that you are too. Like, I feel like 99 times out of a hundred, because I don't think there is ever a blanket statement completely. I think there's very few situations like that. But I feel like 99 times out of 100, it's not the lead, it's the agent. Right? Like, I feel like, and don't get me wrong, you know, someone's going to see me say that and they're going to be like, well, I have this lead and it was blah, blah, blah. You know, I I get it. You know, and if I have I gotten leads that I couldn't do anything with, sure. But I feel like the main thing that's made me successful is it doesn't really matter what leads I'm working. It's that I'm a very good conversationalist. I'm, I know how to talk to people. I'm, I have a lot of sales ability um, that I've developed over the years and I'm seasoned, you know, so you can hand me maybe a bunch of crappy leads 
and I can probably get something out of them. Season. I like, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's it's almost to me, it's almost like a perspective thing, because if I give you a hundred leads, and if I give another agent a hundred leads, and you're like, oh, this was great, you know, I closed ten deals. Well, you may have had to get absolutely shit on for a whole day of calling to get to those 10 that other agent i think a lot of these agents can't handle the rejection and so you make a phone call not interested another phone call uh who are you and it's just like over and over and so at 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 some point they snap and it's just like ah it's not me the leads suck. Like they're not answered. They're not talking to me. It's like, well, maybe if you had handled a little bit more rejection and just pushed mm-hmm. through, made a few more phone calls, maybe you would have gotten to those same 10 deals that Christian just did. Um, you know, I was telling Christian this privately this morning. I'll share with you guys. So I've had to, I've, and if in Medicare gurus, Medicare gurus has become my home for bitching about agents <laughs> as well. So if, if I'm posting in Medicare gurus, it's usually because I had a bad experience working with an agent. Um, and it seems like at, at least once a week lately, I get at least one agent once a week who like wants to like come at me. It's not like the leads are bad. It's like, you're a clown, Glenn. Your organization <laughs> sucks. Like, and so what I do now is as soon as I have a problem with an agent, you guys, and I'll share this with everybody, is I check to see how long they've been contracted, specifically in Medicare. And so far on the last three, they've all been contracted six months or less. So, you know, I'm starting to see this trend where if they're a new agent, now one of them had been a PNC agent for like 20 years, but they were still six months or less new to Medicare. So I'm starting to see this trend forming where it's these agents that are either they're making assumptions. I, I, I do put some blame on the upline. You know, we got into that. I don't know. I think that was with Tracy. I, I can't remember when. I don't know if that was Taco Tuesday. I know We've we have too many things. Too many conversations with too many people, but you know, yes, at the end of the day, it's up to the agent to make sales, but the upline has some responsibility in training that agent and setting expectations for that agent. So, you know, when I'm seeing these agents that are consistently lashing out and they've been contracted in the Medicare space for less than six months, I think there's, it's a multitude of reasonings, but I think, you know, the upline probably shares some blame for not setting them up correctly. I think the agent has assumptions in place where they think that they can get a lead and make a sale, get a lead, make a sale, and that there's like no fall through there. They're going to get 10 leads and make 10 sales. Right. Um, And then just system-based selling. Like, you know, Christian's successful because he has a system in place. He's going to call every lead X number of times. He has a CRM that he uses to track his leads. A lot of new agents have zero systems in place. They're just picking up the phone and they're trying to get a quote out and they're like, ah, and they have no idea what they're doing. So um, I don't know. I don't know how to, what, how do you fix that? How do you help new agents? Like, cause again, I'm looking at it. I don't want to just stir the pot. I don't want to just tell sure. these people you're an idiot. 
even though <laughs> I would love to say that, right? I mean, there's especially right. one of these guys, but like, what, what, what can I even say to this to get through to them to say, hey, I know you're new. I was new at one point. I've been in this space for a long time. I know how hard it can be. Like, and there's been times where I've tried to be super empathetic, it, but it doesn't, it never lands. Like, what, what do you do? I, I feel like to my, the first thing that comes to my mind when you, when you say that is like, I think it comes from having conversations like that, that like this openly out in the open for anybody to actually watch and see, you know, like, I think for me, I never really had that problem with leads, you know, feeling that way. And it's not necessarily because I'm like, you know, this sales, you know, aficionado or anything that is definitely a hundred percent not the case. It's because I started out cold calling. So I didn't work a lead till I was like three years in. So by the time I got a lead, I was like, oh, these are awesome. And they were like the shittiest leads ever because I was used to cold calling. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like, I think it was Tracy actually that said this on a, a cocktail party about a year ago during the pandemic. And he said something and I agree with him. I think I was just more afraid to actually say it out in the open because I didn't want to be criticized by agents. But if you want to be really good at selling over the phone and working leads, it might not be such a bad idea to take a little time and dial data for a little bit of time. Because if you want to be rejected, if you want to be screamed at, if you want to be threatened, that's that's where you're going to get it, you know, from <laughs> data, um, just by cold calling. And you know, you know, obviously, you know, a ton about cold calling because of everything that Lead Heroes does. But I feel like for me as an agent, when I, when I, when I came in at 20, I didn't know any better. So I thought that's just what everybody did. I thought everybody cold called. I didn't realize when, you know, I started actually working leads. I'm like, oh, there's some people that just build their business off leads or that's how they started out. I'm like, oh, I'm like lucky, you know, and they could be like shared leads and I didn't give a shit, you know, like they were shared with like 25 agents. I'm like, these are the best leads of all time because I was used to cold calling, which is the bottom of the barrel. Um, I think having these conversations openly is, is the key. Like I'll, I'll come out and say this and tell me if you've had this experience too. I always tell people it's average for an agent to be able to close 20% of leads. Yeah. I mean, I, I go even softer than that because again, I'm trying to set low expectations and I, and my hope is that they're going to over exceed those expectations. I'm also nervous that if I'm talking to an agent that they're completely inexperienced. Right. And so I think 20% is a great number for an experienced agent who knows what they're doing, who has a system in place, you know, who has the contracts, the training, the, CRM, like all the, all the things that you need to succeed, I think 20% is a great number. Right. But I tell people 10 to 15%. Like if you call me and you're like, Hey Glenn, I'm looking at buying leads. What can I expect? I say, if you're doing less than 10%, it's definitely a you problem because any, like there's no reason you can't be closing 10% of these 15%, I think is a healthy number. And I think if you know what you're doing, 20% or more is, is very reasonable there's also obviously people out there who will give you ridiculous numbers. You'll close a third of your leads, half your leads, 70% of your leads. Like it's like, yeah. no. like, like it's, I think what it comes down to, and I, I, I agree with that, by the way, I feel like, you know, if you're closing 20 to 25% of your, your leads, I think you're above average, right? Yeah. Like 100%. average, average or above average, right? It just depends 
on on how you look at it. But like that, twenty five percent is definitely above average in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Like, and I, I'll look at my own numbers too. Like, I'll have certain batches, and it's never like a exact science either. Like, I'll have some batches where I'll close like five percent of the leads, and I'll get another batch where I'll close like. 30 to 35% of the leads or I'll close half the leads. Like I did a, I did a video last year where I did a lead concepts order and I closed half the leads. It was like, I couldn't miss, you know, and that's not typical. That's not normal. You know, like I said that in the video I was like, that's not normal. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I just, I just got the perfect batch for this video. Yeah. Um, It'll happen. Absolutely. But like, I, I look at it like, Let's, you know, if you say a good agent closes 20% of the leads, what I, what, what jumps out to me from that is that means that a good agent is striking out 80% of the time. And that's what right. new agents need to understand that you're, they're not order takers, you're salespeople. That comes back to, again, the perception is if you're, if, if you're focused on that 80% that's telling you no, you're not going to succeed. You won't hang around in this business. You won't be here long because that 80% is never going to go anywhere. And there's times where it will be even more than that, where 85%, maybe, you know, you get a bad batch, right? So good batch, right? You hit a home run, great area, great timing. You're on fire. You close half the leads. Well, the flip side of it is you get a bad area. your your company that you're really trying to lead with isn't competitive. Like there's all these different things that could come up while now you're at 90% rejection and, and mentally, how are you going to handle that? And, and I've also witnessed too, like, again, I've been around, I feel old when I talk about some of these stories too, but there was this one agent in particular, one of the biggest final expense agents at the time producing on his own pen. And he started off like floundering, like most agents do. Wasn't super successful. How did he go from floundering to number one? And I actually did an interview with him. And I've talked to him many, many times. But it all started, he did um, neural programming. Like he, he it was almost like self-hypnotism, you guys. Like literally programming himself to be successful mentally. And that's where it's like, what, what, why does one agent succeed and one agent fail? I mean, it's, I think it's really all right here. Like if yeah. you're a winners win, losers lose, you know, like that's, that's really, that's really, it might seem like an oversimplification if you're listening or watching this, but yeah, I just, I think it's a total mental game. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree. I feel like everything starts between the ears, everything. And if you can't get that part of it right, the rest of it's not going to work out, you know, like, and I, I've, I've worked with plenty of agents in the past where like, I heard you, heard you talk. I was, I was talking mad smack on zoom and um, they heard me apparently. Apologies. We had some technical difficulties for those of you watching or listening. Um, to jump right back into that topic, though, I had a question for you, Mr. Brindle. Yes, sir. When you are facing a lot of rejection, like we all do, yeah. what do you do mentally to try to get your head clear, like to get back in the game? And then I'll kind of talk about my approach, but I'd love, before I say anything, I'd love to hear what you do 
to try to stay sharp. Yeah. <coughs> as soon as I start talking, Holy to <laughs> no. So, um, for for me, I I've, I always try to keep very have have control of my emotions when I'm selling. Um, one thing I learned really early on in my career, especially with cold calling, because cold calling. You, you got to understand with cold calling and anybody that's out there that's never done it before. I mean, Glenn, you know, because you've done it before, but anybody that's like, I tested it out and everything. And like, I thought it would right. work. got to move this my microphone here. Okay. I am live. You guys, we are having some technical difficulties on Taco Tuesday today. Zoom. Major technical. Yeah, major. You're hearing Christian because we're still chatting on my computer. Um, but we can't get Zoom to work. StreamYard's dropping us every five minutes now. So um, we're going to attempt to continue our topicless Taco Tuesday through iPhone to iPhone, directly through Facebook. So stay tuned. I'm going to stay here with you guys live. I know some of you might be worried. You know, <laughs> some of you might I'm be wondering. Worried. I'm sure there's a lot of you that are like, I've got to have a conclusion to today's riveting episode. And don't worry, we will have a conclusion to today's episode. So just stay tuned. This is a good like intermission. If you need more salsa, you know, for said tacos, go get your salsa. If you're... I, I like I like the picture, though. Like, I like the, the video. The video looks really good. It's I know. Great. I love StreamYard. I'm telling you, dude, I look 10 years younger on StreamYard. So we've got to figure StreamYard out. But uh, on my iPhone, I, I look like an old man again, which sucks. <laughs> um, this is also a great time if you are drinking already. I know it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Go refill <laughs> that drink. Galen, if you're watching this or listening... Time for some more tequila, you know. Um, tequila. You know, here's a shout out to Mr. McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey. I, I just listened to his book. I, I was on vacation, um, and his drink of choice is tequila on the rocks, or maybe it was tequila straight. I can't remember. Not my drink of choice at all. I'll, I'll say that. Um, I'm not a huge tequila fan. I'd say, in Christian, are you a tequila fan? I'm not much of a tequila fan, really. No. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the agave plant and me, but we just don't get along. <laughs> I, I think it's – so here's a – this is like a super tangent for you guys while we're waiting for Christian to see if he can figure out his life. Um, <laughs> I have a theory. This is like so wildly off topic but perfect, I think, for today's episode. I have a theory that our heritage – has a direct correlation. Christian, you guys can't see this, but Christian's giving me looks right now off off of the lie where he's like, where are you going, Glenn? I'm going to get there, Christian. Just, just wait a second. I have a theory that your heritage has a direct correlation with which type of alcohol suits you best. Oh, goodness. So I have an Irish hair. Like, I'm mostly Irish. I'm about a third Irish. You might look at me. You might be able to guess that. And so um, I think whiskey seems to suit me best. Like, if I were to have two drinks of tequila versus two drinks of whiskey versus, like, two drinks of vodka, I feel best the following day with whiskey. I don't know what it is, but it's like my body can process whiskey better than other drinks. So 
<laughs> that's my tangent. I don't know. Christian, do you have any anything you want to add to that? <laughs> As my monologue continues here, is there anything you would like to add, Christian? <laughs> well, um, I can say, you know, that with me, I'm a mixture of many different heritages. I'm 10% African-American. I'm just kidding. I was like, whoa, kidding. I didn't know I'm, that. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not any African-American, but um, I'm all European, many, many different kinds of European. What drink do you feel like suits you best? So if I had, could drink anything, right? and I'm not trying to be creative or showy or anything like that. Yeah, not hypnotic. I, I don't... I'd I would... probably... This is going to sound weird. I'd get Sky Vodka half and half with Gatorade. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my so gosh. <laughs> I just lost so much respect for you. Oh, it's Guys, so if you're watching this. Yeah, I'm, on. I'm, 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 on, I'm on my okay. phone, so what do I do? Okay. Thank goodness, because this monologue was, was about to take a turn. Okay, I'm going to try to invite you. Oh, I think if I hit this button and I hit that. And I hit add. I think that should work. I'm going to close StreamYard. Okay, I'm going to rotate my phone. And and then. Then. Okay, there we go. Okay, so I closed StreamYard. Okay, hang on. Let me <laughs> close out StreamYard here. We're here. There we go. There we go. Direct through Facebook Live, you guys. Oh, we made it. Technology. We did it. We did it. Um, so that that is that was absolutely terrifying, and we were in a very good conversation we there. And then Streamyard was like, "No, fuck it, I'm gonna shut it down." And um, that, that's exactly what they did, you guys. There could be a, a bigger conspiracy going on with Zoom and Streamyard. I'm not willing to rule that out. I feel like that Zoom and StreamYard are really agents that complain about leads. And so they wanted to censor what we were saying. They were like, they're talking about the agents again. Shut it down. Stop the stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Where were okay. we? What were we talking about? The question. So to get back into it, you guys. Question I have for you, Mr. Brindle. Can you hear me, by the way? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? You're a little light on the volume side, but that might be me, not you. Yeah, there we go. I should be able to hear you better. Okay. So here was a question. Better? To get right back where we left off, I know we have so many people dying to, to get back to our conversation here. Um, what do you do when you have a lot of rejection? We all have rejection we have to deal with. How do you stay sharp mentally? How do you stay motivated? What are you doing? Yeah, so I want to take this back to the place where I was at when I first started my career because I feel like it's 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 not just important for cold calling. It's um, unequivocally necessary. I feel like it's something that is incredibly um, a must-do, and, and I think it carries over into leads as well, and I think it's something that can be used, is it's that you don't let yourself get emotionally too high or too low. Like you you really have to control your emotions because anybody that's done any cold calling, and if you haven't, Glenn, you've done plenty of it, you know, over your career, you know a lot about cold calling, but anybody that's watching that might not know anything about cold calling, 
it is the most chaotic um, array of a roller coaster experience. You know, it could go incredibly well. It can go horrifically bad to the point where like, you feel like, you know, jumping off a bridge or something like it is a very much an up and down um, thing all the way, even more so than leads, dramatically more so than leads. Much more rejection than leads. Um, Cause they're really just, at the end of the day, they're people out of a phone book is the same right. thing. It's almost the same thing dialing people out of a right. phone book. The, what I learned early on is because when I was really young and I was 20 years old, 21 years old, I would get really mad. I'd get frustrated. I'd get dis discouraged. One thing I used to do to cheer myself up was when someone was like really rude to me, I'd write curse words next to their names on the list. Um, oh, yeah. You told me that. It didn't, make, it didn't make me feel any better. <laughs> I just stopped it. It made me more mad because I'd go back over the list and I'd forget who the person was. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's not a nice thing I wrote, you know. Um, but what I learned over time didn't happen right away was that you have to keep your emotions here. You don't let yourself get too high when it goes well, and you don't let yourself get too low when it goes bad. Because if you let yourself get too low, you're, you're demoralizing yourself. If you let yourself get too high and too excited when it goes well, it's much easier to drag you back down um, and lose some of that enthusiasm. So I feel, I feel like whether it goes good, whether it goes bad, I wanna stay here. Yep and I don't want to move. Um, and so no matter how the phone call goes, you know, like if it goes well, I can go, yes, good. And then I move on to the next one. You know, like I'm not going to um, over celebrate anything and I'm not going to let get too discouraged by anything. I think having that mental control of your emotions is key. And I've carried that over into leads. And um, I've, I've learned a lot in my career through cold calling for years. Like it, it's not fun. It's grueling, but it made me who I am today on the phone. Yeah. Um, I keep in my head as we're having this conversation, I keep going back to when I was, so before I even got on the phone, which I did spend years doing my own cold calling um, for various things, not just insurance, but before that I was a door to door salesman. So when you're talking about rejection, when you're talking about wild experiences that could when that door opens, it's a series of things that could, that could happen. When you knock on a stranger's door, <laughs> hello. I mean, I, you know, it, from from like like from witnessing a, a drug deal, where oh. I like was like scared for my life because like I saw the baggie get exchanged, and I'm like, uh oh, probably shouldn't have seen that to being invited in and having dinner with a family. Oh, you caught us in the middle of dinner. Come sit down, have dinner with us. You know, to getting screamed at, getting the door slammed. I mean, you name it. Like I've, I've experienced it, I've seen it. So like when it comes to that type of rejection um, and, and I think naturally someone who's new early on, they're gonna just ride it, right? Like. If it's a great experience, they're gonna ride that up and they're gonna they're gonna take that emotional high in and then you know the rejection, they're gonna crash really hard. So I do think that's a big part of it is like learning how to have an equilibrium um, where you're not getting too high or low. I think that's um, you know, that's like stoicism. Um, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about that. I, I'm a huge fan of being you know as as stoic as possible when it makes sense. For me though. I am addicted to getting back on the horse. That's, that's my, um, 
I'm yeah. not even thinking about the door that just got shut on me. I'm thinking about the next door. And, and that was, you know, and yeah, there's days where I knocked 150 doors and not a single person wanted to talk to me. And that's part of the game. And, and the same thing with the phone, you can call 200 people, 500 people a day, and you might not get a single person that actually wants to talk to you. But at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. Yeah, I also right. I think about the episode we did with Mike Gillum a lot. I mean, Mike's such a great example of this. I mean, he's a cold calling king. Shout out to you, Mike. You know, he's networked his way through cold calling to NFL players and talking to their family yeah. about doing insurance deals. Like that's that's not like entry level thing. Like that's that's top level stuff that he's doing in a huge way. And it just how do you do it? It just comes from you know, you gotta have that thick skin, that thick skin. Like you gotta really be ready to take a beating at, at any point, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Like I, and that's, that, that's such a great point as well. I mean, it's all about the next call or the next door um, or the next, you know, sit down, the next appointment. Because I mean, it's, it might sound cliche, but you know, I heard somebody say in a clubhouse, if I got anything from Clubhouse, it was probably this saying because I remembered it. They said, you know, it might sound cliche, but if something sounds cliche, it's probably because you hear it a lot. And you probably hear it a lot because it's true. Um, so it might sound cliche, but it's probably because it's true. Um, you're, you're 10 feet from gold. Yeah. Right. You're 10 feet from gold. So like if you make 99 calls and you just, there just goes horribly wrong and your goal was to make a hundred and you don't make that hundredth call, that hundredth call could have been the goal. Yep. You could have been 10 feet from gold. You, you hang it up, you go home that day. Um, one thing my dad used to tell me, cause my dad cold called a lot longer than I ever did. Like I cold called for probably four years, which in and of itself is probably a good amount of time, but my dad did it for 15 years. Insane. Um, and so I, 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 have, I have a lot of respect for my dad at the end of the day. Like, you know, we don't, we, we've, we do not see eye to eye in everything and we haven't in my career, but I have a lot of respect for him in terms of how he's, how he built his business because he was a freaking grinder. He was a hustler. Um, but he always told me like, you know, cold calling, it, you have certain days where you feel like bashing your head into the wall and you feel like you're getting nowhere. And it feels like, you know, it's just as useful as bashing your head into the wall. But sometimes when you sometimes when you're bashing your head into the wall, this might not be the most perfect analogy, but sometimes when you're bashing your head into the wall or you're trying to break through a wall or another side of something, it might seem like you're getting nowhere and then all of a sudden you hit and then it starts to give away. You know, you just don't know. And that that's that's really how I equate prospecting, log large numbers, cold calling, calling leads, all of that. It comes through mass volume the volume game is what's going to win in the end. And um, a lot of agents feel like, you know, they, they, they sign up to be order takers. I, I, I always try to set the right expectation for an agent. Like, Hey, there is no order taking unless you can figure out, get like all referrals, which there's our, there are certain people out there that do that, but even they you don't close all their deals. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot of rejection. It's going to be a lot of people turning you down. But even if someone's a better salesperson than you, if you close 10 out of 100 deals, let's say, hypothetically speaking, and they close 20 out of 100, all you got to do is make 200 more calls. Than yep. them, you know, or 
200 more and have 100 more appointments than them and you're going to win even if your number less. it's just the law of large numbers numbers game all that stuff i'm at the point where i'm scared to stop you know i'm i'm because of like what you mentioned you don't know how close you are right so it's like this this almost this fear that i ride where it's like if i didn't knock one more door if i don't make one more phone call am i missing am, am i gonna miss out on you know that deal which all it takes is one deal to lead to two more you hit you hit you know when i was selling alarm systems door to door sometimes you'd find that one neighbor that would let you in on the whole neighborhood you know okay yeah i want one. Oh, you know what go talk to to todd over there um he's he would love to get one of these i'll tell i'll call him right now and tell him you're coming over and all of a sudden your your goose egg on the day you know you just picked up three sales like that and so yeah i mean that like it really does happen like that like you can get 500 no's and then all of a sudden that very next conversation is just an absolute grand slam where you're hitting it out of the park and i'm i'm i get fear of missing out fomo on on missing that grand slam if i don't go 12 hours in the paint making phone calls banging on doors this was something that came i mentioned this again to you off camera i watched was up way too late last night watching undercover billionaire Yes, I wanted to talk. Yes, about yes, and I and I kept thinking, <clears throat> Christian, in my head, I was like, I was like, there should be an insurance equivalent to this, where take someone like Justin Brock, for example, who I know could grow something out of nothing. Like if if we if you pull Justin out of everything, he had he had no resources, no money, um, none of his existing clients, like nothing. And all he had was a phone. He was dropped somewhere that he didn't know anybody, just like that show. I would love to have a competition where agents competed for 90 days. You know, who sold the most insurance and whose book was valued the most after being in a brand new place. And that's the thing for me, like it, I would go. And, and so for those of you who haven't watched the show, maybe I should, or Christian, you know, you, you're probably even better than me. Why don't you explain what Undercover Billionaire is? And then we can talk more about this idea of, of insurance, because I'm telling you, I think it would be amazing. I think it would be too. It'd, it'd be fascinating. I'm in. Um, oh, I'm in all the way, baby. Give me, give me a final, <coughs> give me some basic final expense contracts throw me anywhere i will just start banging doors down dude until my book starts growing so undercover billionaire is a reality tv show it's on discovery channel um and it's where they take a person who's a billionaire or close to a billionaire and they will essentially give them an alias right they'll give them a fake name They'll strip them of all their resources, their identity, their wallets, their bank accounts, credit cards, everything. Um, they'll give them $100 cash, usually keys to an old truck, and they'll place them in the most obscure places in America, places that you, you know, I've never heard of, any of the towns they've used. Um, and their challenge is, and they can't use their, they, they, get, they have a phone, but it has no contacts. Right. So they have none of their, they can't use their contacts. Right. Um, they have 90 days to grow go from $100 in cash to a million dollar business, a business worth a million dollars in this town they know nothing about. Um, and so the first season, there was a guy named Glenn Stearns, who's a real estate mogul that so they essentially, what, what city was, was he dropped Erie, in again? Pennsylvania. Now, mind you, I'm only like halfway through, so don't, 
don't spoil don't you I won't, won't I won't say any more but um but he he did he did the challenge the first season the second season which I just got done watching was um they did three different people which I thought was stupid and dumb but they should have just done one person like they did with Glenn but um but anyway they did uh these two chicks one of them was like the ex-wife of like Timberland or something like that and um, the other one was like a real estate and, you know, developer, whatever you want to call it. And then there was Grant Cardone. Um, and I wanted them to just do the whole thing on Grant Cardone, like they did yeah, on the Sparrow, but they did. But anyway, so I just got done watching that. And um, the show is wild. The show is like really, really wild. Like how, how far are you in the season one? I think I just wrapped episode three or four. So like the last thing that happened so like he gets on the phone with the attorney and the attorney's like, you're not getting these licenses for a hundred days. Like, and you can't do business until you, and so then he flips. And that's it. Like, I love like, like the quick pivots, like it's just, it's, and because he knows he's got this deadline, it's just decision-making decision, like just making decisions. Like there's no time to waste. You can't waste, a, can't waste a dollar. You can't waste a minute. And so he immediately right. pivots from the brewery to, I'm going to start and spoiler alert, I guess, for those of you who haven't seen any of this yet, I'm spoiled. I just yelled at him. <laughs> so spoiler alert, <laughs> turn it off here. If you haven't seen it yet and you want to watch it, but he's pivoting now to a, a which I think this is a better business. In my opinion, don't, you know, sell, sell other people's beer. You don't need to craft the beer. There's plenty of markup. If someone comes and sits down at your restaurant, if you do it right. And if you're selling like, you know, large quantities. And I also loved the idea like of, he wants to also, it's kind of vertical integration, really. Like he's talking about, you know, well, not only am I selling in the restaurant, but then maybe I have a wholesale distribution that's happening on the back end of the business, like stuff like that, which I thought was genius, but that's right where it's at. So it's like episode three or four in, but, um, yeah, I think he's legit too. Like, I think he's a hustler. I, I think it's real. I, I do too, because like, I mean, you've seen the part already where he's in his car, sleeping in his car, he's freezing to death. He like starts throwing up, he goes to the hospital, like, the, the shit seems, the shit gets pretty deep on it, you know? Um, and and I, I think it's fascinating because I feel like there's, you know, some people in our industry to where if you gave them maybe a similar challenge, I, I don't know if it'd be a hundred bucks like that, or if it'd be like a thousand, I don't know. Um, but you know, you gave them a thousand bucks and it's like, okay, how much business can you write in this amount of time? And what would your book of business be valued at if you tried to sell it? You know, like, um, I think it would be fascinating to see like several key people put it in that well, situation. It would, I think what would be fascinating too, is allowing the agent to pick what they want to sell because at the, when they, when the evaluation happens at the end, that's the finish line. And so... Yeah. You know, if I'm selling final expense, which is, that's probably what I would do is, is if I got dropped off, I'd probably sell final expense because I know the product really well. I've done so much of it. I love the guaranteed issue. I can get cash fast, which that was a big, I was shocked how long it took him to get any type of cash flow. But mind you, it's a hundred dollars and you're in the middle of nowhere. That's the beautiful part about final expense. You guys is you can get that cash flow super fast. I mean, there's carriers that will pay like in 48 hours. So if I'm dropped off somewhere, I'm going to be banging doors for 
you know, a week straight. And I guarantee you, I would have something come through and I could start that cash flow game. But it would be a wild ride to see. Like, it'd be crazy if someone like spun up a call center in 90 days, you know, and they got like, imagine like a hundred seat call center that got spun up in a hundred days. Like, I don't know how you would license all those. I mean, I don't know, but that's the part of the show that's crazy is like, you know, sky's the limit. Like you just have to get to that million dollars, you know? I want to so badly tell you what happens in season two, but I won't. I'm I'm controlling yeah. myself because if you like the one season two is really, really good. Um, but like, yeah, I, I feel like so. So who would you who would you put in that situation if you had to pick a couple people like obviously, just, you know, without Justin is is definitely I would love to do Jeff Root. Um, Jeff Root has like, especially when it comes to resources. But again, Jeff Root built everything on his own back, on his own pen. So Jeff Root's one of those where, like, I think stripping him away would be fascinating. Like, I want to fund this idea. Like, I, I would rather, like, I want to watch it. Like, I, less than even doing it, I want to watch these agents go. Like, uh, Justin Brock, Jeff Root. It'd be fun to get kind of a mix of, of different, like, life and health. Maybe even some PNC in there, you know? And, and literally it's like, you're selling, you got to sell policies if you're going to start recruiting. And then it's, and again, that this would be, especially on a tight 90 day window, <coughs> like the age old debate of, of recruiting versus your own. Like, I would think if it's 90 days, your own pen is probably the most valuable trying to spin up a downline and get them producing a nine that is a Hail Mary, in my opinion, I, you'd have to, you'd have to do something real special or find the right person to come in and just crush it. I, I think that's a huge ask too. like, I, because in terms of downline, right, they got to be trained, they got to be licensed, they got to be certified if they're selling depending on the product. Um, but I think there's a lot of states that are doing temporary licenses right now where people can literally get a license for nothing. I just, I just saw on Ohio's Department of Insurance website that they're doing temps. I know Texas was doing temps. So, and I think temps are like 90 days. So you could spin up a huge downline that's not legitimately licensed. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've got, temp, they've got temp licenses and just put them to work. Who yeah, would you like? Who would you like to see if you if you could put any agent out there? Would you do it? If I if I if this was real and I was like, hey, this is happening, would you do it? Well, I I think my wife would divorce me if I left. <laughs> but taking that part out of the equation, remove Stormy. Um, come on, remove that from the equation. Okay. Let's say I'm divorced. Let's say she already okay. divorced me. Let's say I did some. Um, so. It would, oh, there's so many questions that pop through my mind because if I'm, so what I'm good at is selling Medicare Advantage. That's what I'm really good at. Like if back's against the wall, I'm good at that. I'm how good do you, at how stuff do you too, compliantly but, cold market to your favorite product, yeah, right? Yeah. That's awesome, the thing, right? you know, like, so that gets me started to where like, okay, let's say, let's say, let's say it's not a hundred dollars. Let's say it was a thousand dollars that you have. I don't know. So my, my first, so what, what, what would I do from there? You know, well, I'd have to turn that thousand dollars into some leads if I was selling Medicare advantage, because 
Medicare Advantage, like you said, you can't cold market it. You know what I mean? Like it's just such a weird product. So I'd probably have to try to do some med sub stuff, um, which which I I can definitely do. There's no no problem. The that, area but. like Erie where Glenn Stearns is. I mean, that's probably a strong med sub area. I don't. I bet there's not a big network of MA there. So if you're out in the sticks somewhere, med sub might be the hot product, anyways. That's true. Yeah, because knowing the type of places that they drop people in probably very accurate with that. There's probably not a huge like metro area with Medicare Advantage. Um, I mean, it would depend on the details, but like if I was competing against say Justin Brock, I think he'd wipe the floor with me because I don't think I'm on his level yet. Um, I'm, I'm coming for you, Justin. If, Justin but, was in, if he um, got dropped in the South, Justin would, would have like a $10 million yeah. dollar business in two weeks, bro. <laughs> like it would be insane. Yeah. He's, he's got his charming accent. Yeah. I don't have that. You know, like people say I have an accent from Utah. I don't think I have an accent, but people never think they have an accent, true. no matter where That's they're true. From. But, but, but so I, I would say Justin Brock. Um, I would say. I would love to see Tony. I'd love to see Tony. And okay. Let's get Tony out there. I'd love to see Tony out there. Tony's sleeping in a car or something. <laughs> like... <laughs> Tony's at the homeless shelter. So, who would I put out there? Maybe Cody. Cody would be a good one. It'd be interesting to see how that happened. Like, I think I'd put Justin out there. I'd put Cody out there. Um, Josh Lustick, maybe. Josh would probably crush. Um, I'm, trying, I'm thinking of big, big, big names that come to mind. Um, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if it, like, how could we set that up? Like, if, how could we, like, how can <laughs> I sponsor this? Like, I want this to happen. Like, I'm well, first, you, first, you got to convince all these guys to leave their businesses and their families for 90 days. Yeah, I, that's the thing. But what do you, what do you give them to make that worth it for them? I mean, I think there has to be prize money. I think I think we would need to get like sponsors prize. It's probably got to be like seven figure sponsorship prize money. I think we need like yeah. like a title. If, if, if that was the prize, it was seven figures prize money. I would jump. I would throw my hat in for sure. I'd be like, let's go, let's go. I don't know, you know, dude. It would be brutal. That it, it would be brutal. brutal. It would be brutal. And 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 it, it, there would be so much tied to where you get dropped too. Like right. That's right. Such, You're like, what's available, yeah. you know, like, and <clears throat> the other thing is you have to learn the products in that area Correct. too, you know? So like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm taking everything back to Medicare cause that's what right. I know, but like with Medicare, right? Like if you're selling med subs, it's not too hard. Like if you, but, but here's the thing, like w what tools do you have available? Like, do I have, would I have CSG? Cause if I don't have CSG, I mean, there's other places I guess I can look at Medicare supplements. Well, I was thinking, it, again, if this was a reality, I would probably say everyone gets an iPad that they can do e-apps on. I think that's only fair, right? Sunfire. Give me Sunfire on yeah, that app. So I think, I think the technology is there. I think there's no resources. I think the money is extremely limited. You know, no contacts, no clients. 
you're literally just a licensed agent with a thousand bucks to your name in a city that you've never been in before. So here's, here's a question for you. Here's um, kind of a devil's advocate okay. question. Would someone be allowed to create a fake Facebook um, a, like account or whatever and run ads? Like, could they run ads? Like, well, could they run digital yeah, ads? I mean, or? again, according to the parameters of, there's nothing stopping, you know, anyone in the show from running marketing, right? Like, the, the only thing is, right. though, if you run marketing with your last thousand bucks and you don't, you know. It doesn't deliver. Yeah, if yeah. you don't deliver on your marketing, then, yeah, you're done. Which, again, that's a classic <laughs> agent. That's a, like a classic agent conundrum. How many agents take their last 500 bucks and it's like they're sitting at a slot machine and they just push it into whatever marketing they think is going to work. And they lever that and they're like, come on, big money. Like, that's like probably 30% of the agents that fail out every year. They're yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I think, I think if you, <clears throat> I think if you're good at running digital ads, I think some of these guys that run digital ads, not, putting myself in that category. Sometimes they work for me, sometimes they don't. But like, there's certain people where like, you know, it's like they turn on a faucet, you know, and they just know that, that it's gonna kill. You know, like, it, or, or maybe not necessarily kill, but they know they're gonna get like worst case scenario, X amount of dollars per lead, best case scenario, X amount of dollars per lead. Um, but you can also cap it. You could be like, I wanna spend $5 today and see what you get. So you could really Try to right. kind of trickle it for sure for sure like um the i mean the other thing too is like you know if you're not doing digital marketing or digital like, like let's say you're spending any money on leads right like i and and we might you might see people come right in and they try to just do all grassroots shit you know and 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 that's definitely a thing but if from my first reaction is i want to take at least some of my money and get some leads like throw some gasoline on that fire um and if you're not doing digital marketing you know what are you doing like you do direct mail that comes back three weeks later you know and then you have 60 days left right right <laughs> uh, it's 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 an interesting thing. Event, it's an interesting thing. I, I think I think events. I think seminar guys. If you if you're a seminar, this Matt, could be where Matt, this could be where you shine. And again, this this is why I go back to Justin Brock. He's got he's got a little like when it comes to that face to face. Like I'm in your city. Like that's that's totally his niche. Like when I when I talk about Jeff Root, like Jeff's one of the best life insurance salespeople I've ever met in my entire life, hands down. He wrote the book on it. Like he is the guy, but it's all digitally and it's all over the phone. So I don't know if Jeff was trying to do this all face to face. I don't know how he'd do. David Duferd, um, David would crush. Yeah. David would probably drop in and he'd be banging doors too, I'm sure. And just. Duford, yeah. Or Duford. I, I, I can imagine, I can imagine du, Duford. Um, I, I think he'd do pretty yeah. well. Like, of course, if it's just about how much money you generated at the end of the day, a life guy would have an advantage over a Medicare guy. Well, not not if it's uh, if we're if it's a lifetime client value. So the life guy, sure. the advantage to the life guy is he's going to have more cash to play with up front. 
the advantage to right. the Medicare salesperson is you're going to have a higher evaluation on your clients when the evaluation gets done because those final expense clients are worth almost nothing on your books besides the first year right. commission. I mean, you get like a, your renewals at best are going to cover your your loss on policies falling off. Like that's generally that's like that's the what most agents I feel like do. I know I've seen some agents talk about renewals on final expense and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that was my thing, you know, cause like I've sold final expense. So it's not like I don't know. Right. You know like, like I've, I've seen some agents talk about renewals or final expense. I'm like, I'm like, I must be getting totally fucked then. You know, like when I sell final expense, I'm like, am You're I missing lying. something? <laughs> Let me clarify what's going on here. You're being, I do. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen, there's certain contracts I've seen where it's as high as like 15%, 12% on the tail. Like that's decent. That's right. good. But still, if, if your attrition rate is 15% and you're losing in the first year, 15% of your clients, the renewal really doesn't exist because you're losing. Medicare has such a higher retention rate that the the renewals mean something especially med sub you retain them what's right. your retention look like by the way it's it's insanely high um now granted i spend i spend a lot of money on retention you know like um i have my i have my office staff every aep will pick up the phone and call our medicare advantage clients it takes last year it took it took almost a month to call them all um and we'll and I'll have them go through changes with them with the ANOX, the annual notice of changes. I'll have them walk through changes with them. Um, we'll try to move them if their plans go into hell. Um, like we do a lot of that with the MA people. So the reten I, I think last year from last year to this year anyway, from AEP anyway, I think our retention was like ninety seven, ninety eight percent, something That's like that. That's incredible. I I know some call centers, well and and final expenses are atrocious. <laughs> I know I Granted, call centers are so high volume, right. though, compared to like brick and mortar, right. like what we have. Hard to compare it, but yeah. I But you're losing so much business on that retention. That's the thing. Like you have to, fa like it's, it's, it's a math equation because you have to factor in what's your cost to do that. Like you mentioned, you have staff that literally focus on retention. So there's the cost yep. of losing that business, the cost of keeping it on the books. And it's like, you have to kind of find that balance where, you know, there, yeah, there might be a scenario where it doesn't make sense to try to keep those people on the books because you're so good at acquiring new clients, which that's really what a lot of these call centers get into is they get down to that CPA where it's like, my CPA is so good and my commission is so good that trying to retain someone who falls off in six months, it doesn't even pencil on paper. Right. Right. And, and that makes, and that it makes, it makes a lot of sense, you know, from, from their business model. I think the other thing too, is like the sale with the client is so transactional in a call center like that is so, it is very much a transact. I mean, obviously every transaction is a transaction, but it's very, it's not relate. It's not, doesn't give, it doesn't have the relationship building capabilities of a brick and mortar. Um, 
not that we do every person every sale in person because we surely don't but like we do stress you know keeping that client you know in touch with the client making sure we're servicing the client making sure that you know we're doing all those things um and if we just flushed all that down the toilet let's say and went head over heels and went in on complete growth we would grow but we'd lose some too it's 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 a tricky thing to try to figure out you know like what you want to do um i think we get a lot of easy business too like we get a lot of referrals we get a lot of recommendations and so like like i could stop marketing stop buying leads this whole year and if i just wanted to sit in my office and write 300 apps a year from referrals i could do it that's nice um, yeah i mean that that's a nice place to be is to be able to not market and you know, I'd say, you know, again, in my business, it's probably close to the same way. Like we get a ton of referrals. People know our names, you know, we're, we're ranked on social, like on, on SEO, like we have our rankings. So people find us. Um, and it's nice to not have to market, but the flip side is like, what are you missing if you don't market? Right? Like what's that, what's that cost? Like, I, I feel like I feel like that's exactly it. You're missing out on a ton if you don't market. Because like for me, let's say you know we write like let's say hypothetically speaking, we would write two, three hundred apps a year just from referrals if we just said screw it. You know we're we're not doing anything else but just taking on referrals and servicing clients. Well, the amount of more business we can write by marketing and you know spending the money is absurdly more, and. Um, it's just, there, it's just a, a waste percentage that you think an agency should spend on marketing annually. Like of their revenues, yes. just marketing, right? Like not any other just marketing. Is there a percentage on gross revenue that you think? I would say like taking out, you know, overhead of any other kind like staffing office all that stuff if we're just talking about buying leads marketing all that stuff i would say probably if it's a large enough agency to, i mean if it's a brand new agent i tell them probably would say the number a bit higher but i'd say probably at least 15 to 20 percent yeah so this is secondhand information i'm about to share but there's i have i have a second degree billionaire connection in my network Okay. This person owns, so it's it's a dentist. The the way the connection works to explain those of you who might immediately hear me drop the word billionaire and get skeptical here, is I have a, a dentist in my family, and um, it's not his practice. He works at a much larger organization, and so he is directly tied to the owner of the bigger organization. He's close with him and gets to talk to them and spend a lot of time with them. And um, I think the last time this organization was valued, it was like three or 4 billion. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely the real deal. Now his, he claims that um, an established business. Now I think insurance, and I'll preface this comment by saying, I think insurance is its own animal. So I think, I think looking at trends in business and then trying to back those trends out in the insurance world, I don't think that's really fair. That being said, his he was saying that spending more than five percent of your gross on marketing when you're an established business is just wasteful. That you should never be spending more than five percent. And he was even saying 
is the magic number. Um, which obviously, if you're making a billion dollars a year, 5% on gross is a ton of money to spend on marketing, right? So it's, it's a different game. But I also think insurance is so sales heavy and that marketing is so important. I do think it's a higher number. I would say at least 10%, like, especially if it's not like a super style, like how much like boomer benefits, right? How much do you think boomer benefits is spending percentage wise gross on marketing? 10%? I, probably, probably closer to that. You know, I think the larger the company gets, I think the percentage probably goes right. down. Um, like I, 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 I think it depends on where somebody's at, you know, like I'm, I throw out the 15 to 20% angle because that's probably what I spend. Right. You know, somewhere in there. Now, am I boomer benefits? Not yet. Um, no. Um, no. But uh, not yet. <laughs> uh, not, not even close. Um, but, but I would say, you know, it wouldn't surprise I mean, because without really knowing their numbers, I mean, I've heard some things. And you know, five, six, seven percent of their annual revenue is probably a gigantic freaking number. Right. It, it changes the game when you can get to that sort of gross number. You can shave a percentage and do a ton with it, and then you're also able to get the sort of volume. It, you know, law of large numbers again. You can you can spend less and you're getting more because you're able to get discounts on that marketing because you're doing such big volume. So like the whole thing breaks down in your direction, the bigger you get. So I, I totally agree with that. But I still think insurance is going to be a heavier market. You're going to spend more marketing and insurance where like it's like real estate insurance, you know something like a doctor or a dentist they don't really have to spend a lot on marketing generally anyways these people find them they're local they're they're searching for them an insurance agent you have to be a bit more proactive i feel like yeah for sure for sure i think it's it's interesting in in how many ways our industry is unique um, that's definitely one of them is because like i think i heard landon mccarter say this um recently because he, he he was a digital marketer got marketing guy for tons of different right. industries before he got doing insurance and he was like i think i heard him talking about how um insurance is such a, it's so focused on like you know our instant roi you know um cost per lead yeah. you know what i mean we're like other industries they're like okay we're going to run this commercial or we're going to run this ad and see if it brings in some business but like insurance agents are so focused on like cost per lead and like all those little things. Um, it's, it, it's interesting for insurance because it is very unique. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. Well, I think between part one, two, and three, I'm assuming, I think we're, we're probably close to our, our time or potentially even exceeded our time on our topic list. Taco Tuesday. Our top list. Our Taco top Tuesday. list. We're quick. I, at the end, we both go topless. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're a back guy. Then, then people would the see. see then, I, go, I go front, right? <laughs> then, then, then people would see if I really have the tattoos that I say. Ooh. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Whoa. 
I need to get a tattoo. I don't have a tattoo. I get. Um, I'm a who. I'm a hoodlum. I'm a hooligan. Yeah, you're a criminal. You and your you're black and mild, <laughs> bro. I, know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very... I was watching you blow smoke on the camera, and then I was watching it bounce back and hit you in the eye. <laughs> covering your eyes and i was like i was like is he really doing this i was like is he really blowing smoke in his own eyes on camera like oh, oh. i was i was pretty hammered at that point <laughs> in the are. evening i know i think we all were. My, I think we all were. my defense <laughs> oh my god I'm, I'm texting my wife and i'm like i'm like hey i need some 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 cigars go get me some cigars and she's like she's like no i'm like no. yes I'm Go get me the You're cigar. Like I'm smoking cigars in the house tonight. You're getting love. Yeah. <laughs> that was epic. All right. Final thoughts, Mr. Brindle. What do you got? Oh man. Um, so I, I would say, you know, for this topicless Taco Tuesday, um, I think the conversation turned a lot into leads and sales and things like that, which I love. I could talk about it all day. Um, I would say the main thing, guys, is you know, if if you're a new agent watching this understand the industry trends you know because if uh, if a, a if an average to above average agent let's say has a 20 20 percent closing ratio typically with leads don't expect to come in and close 60 70 80 percent if you get a lead order of 50 leads or 60 or 70 or 80 and the first two or three don't go your way don't give up on the batch um work your leads to the end like work them all even if like the even if you have 50 leads and the first 40 suck you might write five in the next 10 you just don't know um so that that would be my 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 final thoughts is just don't 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 cut your lead order short There's so many agents that do that and they just write up leads as bad leads and it's like it's crazy to me they're like glenn says it all the time I'm not going to, I mean, he says it as well as anybody. There's no silver arrow. There's no silver bullet. There's no, there's no perfect lead source. And um, just understand that guys. It's just, is what it is. Good, well, good leads, bad leads. At the end of the day, it's subjective. It's more so just having a conversation. The lead is a conversation starter. You got to do the rest. 100%. That was, I Glenn Shelton, Mr. Mr. Glenn Shelton, final thoughts on Europe. I don't even Europe. know what else to add to that. That was so clear and concise. Um, <laughs> I guess some final thoughts as we're wrapping up here. I, I did, um, I think my favorite part of the conversation, especially for agents, newer agents, um, is the rejection piece of it. Like it almost gets, it, it almost gets me excited. Um, I almost miss the reject because again, when Christian, like Christian and I are in similar spots in the sense that Christian and I, in our day-to-day -day businesses, we get a lot of inbound marketing. There's a lot of people seeking us out. And because of that, we don't get a lot of rejection. Definitely not. I don't get the sort of rejection that I used to for sure. I'm sure Christian, right. And I almost miss it. And like, it might sound wild to hear that, but I, I like, I don't know if I'm just like a freak or I'm addicted to it because it like you just you, you get conditioned like the same way that you would condition your body like from working out you get conditioned mentally and so it's almost like you get a high from the deal because there was so much rejection like the deal that it's a the juice is sweeter almost I, I guess that's one way of, of trying to frame it 
Um, I'm like, I'm ready to go bang doors. Between watching Undercover Billionaire last night, which I'm going to continue tonight, and, and our conversation today about rejection, um, I'm, I'm ready to, to jump back in and just get my face punched again. Because if, if you don't love it, you don't love rejection, it's going to be hard to get through a lot of anything. Um, and I'm, and I share the same thing that like Christian mentioned earlier too, is like, by the time I got out of door knocking and out of cold calling and into leads, I was so deep into my sales career at that point that the idea of a lead was almost like this magical unicorn. Like it was like, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, this person already wants it. I'm like, what are you? This person for information. Yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm me. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, hang on, hang on. I'm used to interrupting a stranger from their day-to-day -day <laughs> life, having to, having the, you know, you have to break that wall. Then you have to talk to them and explain the information, and then you're trying to close them right there on top. So like, just huge hurdles, like huge hurdles. So you skip like the first, you're not interrupting them. They already asked, they already kind of know what you're talking about. You're flipping everyone off right there. But you're, and, and you're at the point where you just have to close them. Like, it's not, yeah, it, you guys are spoiled brats. You really are, all of you are spoiled <laughs> brats. All of you, I'm gonna say it right now, I'm not kidding. Oh my gosh. It's, I love it. it's crazy, I love it really it. is crazy, like this sort of, just deg I got just degra degradation. I mean, people, I got the police called on me going door to door all the time, all the time. Hey, there's someone in the neighborhood. I don't know who he is. He's going like, the cops roll in. Do you have a permit? You know, oh, I didn't know I had to have a permit in this neighborhood. Yeah, you do have to have a permit. And I'm getting thrown out of neighborhoods just trying to make sales, you guys. And you're over here complaining about leads? Like, it, it's a joke. The whole thing is a joke, honestly. I'm sorry. I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but what a, what a joke. What a so I, 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 know, I, know that we, I know that we're going a little long. I got to quickly tell this. Okay, like, please do. Sorry. So the first leads that I remember buying myself were net quote leads. Does anybody remember net quote leads? If you do, drop them in the comment section. So net quote leads were cheap for the most part. Like you could get them for like five, uh, yeah, like three, eight. I think even three bucks a shared lead or something. Yeah. 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 They would, they were to advertise that the lead would be shared with three to five agents. When I found out later on, they were really shared with like 20 to 30 agents. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, cause they had all these backdoor channel right. companies that they would lead through as right, well right. they yeah it's only three to five agents on net yeah. quote, you know but like agent insider right. or whatever yeah, is gonna yeah, say yeah, yeah. In another anyway so that was the first lead i ever bought and i went from cold calling to working these a little bit and i would look forward to working these shitty <laughs> shared leads paying five dollars a lead and i would make sales on these leads i would understand be like all right they're gonna get 20 right. calls in the next 30 seconds I got a call right now. I'd be like sitting by my computer, waiting for it to go. And, and, I, like, and I quickly, like, but I was on it. And um, sometimes they would sell you the leads like an hour after they requested it. And they would tell you it was real time and they're full of shit. Like 
So I would talk to someone that already talked to 11 agents before they talked to me. Right. And there were still a couple of ones I remember that I was able to make sales on. Like, yeah. and I was stoked. I'm like, this is freaking awesome. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting shoveled just horse manure in your mouth. And you're like, yes. <laughs> I, I remember one guy in particular, he was in the, he was in the market for a med sub. Didn't want a Medicare advantage. He wanted a med sub. This was like 2015. And Plan F was still, I mean, 90% per, of agents were selling Plan F back then. Still, nobody was selling Plan G. And, um, and in my market specifically, there were only a couple carriers that offered Plan G. Like UHC didn't, Blue Cross Blue Shield didn't, a lot of carriers didn't offer, you know, offer a Plan G. It was like Mutual of Omaha and Equitable Life and Casualty, and like that was it. Um, so I got on the phone with him, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I already talked to like 10 other people. And I, and I was like, I was, and I, I, I knew that they were going to pitch him a plan F. So I was like, I was like, I was like, let me guess. They all told you to get a plan F, right? And he's like, yeah, every single one of them. I was like, has anyone taken the time to explain to you a plan G? And I went through like the plan G pitch. I'm like, I'm like, it saves the X amount of premium. The only difference is the deductible. The deductible back then was like 140 something. Um, and this dude was so blown away by me because I was the, he had 11 agents call him, I was the 11th. And I was the only person to say something different than the other right. 10. So he came into my office a few days later and signed up. And I still have him, still. He changed his phone number, I don't know where he is, but I still get, I still get paid every month, I don't know where he is. This rate keeps going up, I'm trying to lower it. He moved, comes back to send her the, the letter. Like, six years later. Net quote. That quote, babe. Yeah, that that was those were wild times in the internet lead industry, dude. The whole game's changed now, but yeah, it used to be just a hot, stinky garbage pipe train that was just being piped everywhere. It was nuts. Net quote, precise leads. Uh, quote wizard. Quote wizard. That was another net quote yeah, company. Yeah, quote wizard. That was uh, my brother. My yeah. brother-in-law was working those, and I just remember looking at those leads, and I'm like, no way. I'm like, I'd rather go bang doors. I'm like, that is such yeah. a garbage lead. <laughs> I went and bought some quote wizard leads, not realizing they were the same leads that I was getting from NetQuote. So I was buying them at the same you're, time. You're buying again. They're the same leads. <laughs> you're paying double for the same leads. You're competing with yourself. <laughs> It was like 75% the same names, <laughs> same everything. Oh my God. Well, and then, um, there's, and it's like, it's all backdoor deals. Cause like, I think Colonial Pen was selling their marketing. So like Colonial Pen would spend a ton on marketing. And then it was like the leads they didn't close. They would sell to someone like Quote Wizard. <laughs> And then Quote Wizard turns around and sells them for like five bucks. Like it's 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 the yeah. garbage of the garbage, dude. That's hilarious. <laughs> Nobody oh. experienced that. I'm sad. I'm sad that that doesn't exist anywhere. Everyone should have to work a big. It should be like a year of cold calling or cold knocking, followed by like a year of Quote Wizard net quote, <laughs> and then you can. <laughs> And then you can start doing like eight direct mail leads and just like slowly climb your way up to some quality. <laughs> and and net net quote turned into all web yeah. leads. Remember that? Oh, that's a name that a lot of people recognize. So like, 
all web leads is what net quote is all net quote is what all web leads used to be. Yes. Like the same company. Yep. Merger acquisitions all day. They just came, they snapped up a bunch of companies. I think all web didn't all web leads get hit with like a $700 million fine for like compliance and like they went bankrupt. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I haven't heard the name for a long time. I know they got in trouble. Yeah. And it was like a really stupid compliance thing where it was like, they're what they, I thought there was something about how their web pages were structured. Like they just had to have like, and because of that, and because of the volume they were doing, they were just like, okay, here's a $700 million fine. <laughs> like, what the heck is wrong with you guys? Like, why would you not just be compliant with your web pages if you're doing billions in business? Like, what in the world? It's insane. Crazy. All right, I gotta go Crazy. before my wife kills me and buries me in the backyard at this point. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it was good Taco Tuesday. We'll see you next week. Signing off, Taco fans.